1: Ah, Welcome back to Herd Tell. She hadn't been here for a while. She's been very, very busy, but we're glad we got her down to start the new year off here on Herd Tell. Alice Watson-Brown, one of our favorites, Young Voices contributor, University of Bristol graduate. How are you, my friend?
2: I am very well, Andrew. I'm so happy to be back on the show. Uh, it has been too long, and I'm excited just for a, a good, light conversation about you know what's most important and going on in the world.
1: Yeah, because there's nothing major going on there. Or no, you know, it's anyone. kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly. I actually want to start right there because we talk to our UK friends all the time. It's been a tumultuous year in the UK. Politics, different prime ministers, the cost of living crisis that doesn't look like it's it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. I think that's a fair way to put it. You're going to have some time in the next year, year and a half. You're going to have another election. So who knows how that goes. But here's how I want to ask this, because there's no way let's even back up a couple of years to the Brexit stuff. Your generational cohort, that, that 20 to 30 year old group, the, the part that just went through college, they graduated school about the time Brexit happened. Now they're coming out of college in the middle of this cost of living crisis. There's no way that's having, not having a cultural and political shift on your generation, is there?
2: Absolutely not. As a young person, so I, I'm 22. Uh, I graduated a few months ago. Um, So I was 16 when Brexit happened. And then that was sort of my formative political experience, I guess. And um, I didn't really, I kind of just remember 2010 with the coalition and how that was shock horror. And then it was just sort of when I came to my political maturity, it just seemed to be, you know, a historical event after historical event. Um, And now having gone through Brexit and COVID, uh, and the impact that COVID especially has had on the economy, um, I would say that that the economy is our biggest concern with young people. Um, and culturally that means none of us are moving out. None of us can afford to really buy a house in the short term, um, even though interest rates are quite stable. Um, the prices, they're just too high. Um, so, it's not fun at the moment, unless you're a very lucky person and you do manage to fall onto that dream grad job um, and get your sort of 60K a year. You're balling. You're doing great. Um, but I guess and we look back, I look back on my education uh, as a sort of the class of Covid. Um, I wasn't sort of in the midst of it, but I lost 18 months of of university. And I think, what was it all for? I went through schooling. I, I abided to the standardised testing. Um, in a very competitive atmosphere. I was lucky enough to, I went to one of the top schools in the country, a boarding school, and then a pretty, you know, respectable university. I was a very, I had a very lucky educational upbringing. And where am I at the moment? Um, Without sounding too existential, I have no prospect of moving out. Um, I'm struggling to get a job. My elder siblings haven't yet moved out. Um, And pretty much everyone I know is in the same situation. And the government is not doing anything to help us apart from just you know their main focus is the nhs they can't pin their workers down they can't bring rail strikes they yeah we're just being thrusted by all these things that means we are being swept under the net aside from the fact that we're expected to be caught up in these culture wars and be on either side of something the whole time one side of an argument we're either woke or anti-woke left or right um pro-trans, anti-trans, all of that. It's sort of, I don't want to complain too much, but it is kind of exhausting. Um, <laughs> and but yeah, I think at the moment, my main worry, and you know, the conversations you have with your friends when you go to the pub uh, after a day, day of work or not work or whatever, that's all you talk about is how poor you are and how much you want to move out. And as much as we love our parents, we're old. We're too, we're too old to be living with them. Um, and it doesn't feel like there's any going to be any future respite for that apart from just keeping on going
1: yeah alice watson brown joining us that's the part i'm driving at because i can go back i'm a little bit older than you not much (laughs) um i can go back we can look at like you know the recession of the 2008 2009s we can go Mm -hmm. back to the late 90s there's political change when there's economic turmoil especially to young folks because it hits them differently i noticed in my own children my younger children that were in high school primary school for y'all you know, those later grades, it really changed how they saw education. They didn't see school as something to go and do anymore. They really saw it as a government institution because it got shut down and took away from them for 15 months, or at least my kids did. It completely changed how they saw education. They see school as a government entity now. That's going to change how they see the rest of their lives. So for your cohort, COVID is unique because it's not just you, it's so many people that's going to change how you see government. It's going to change how you see politics. It sees how you change, how you see economics. The folks that are arguing the political stuff in the UK, I really wonder how much it's hitting the next generation because in 10 years, when y'all are the dominant force, you're going to cross a lot of those old traditional lines. The old playbook isn't really going to fit you all that well, is it?
2: No, I I agree. And I think it's good to hear that, you know, from your own children that they saw it as a a government institution. It, it was as much of a chore as paying taxes, if that makes sense. And I can't remember who wrote it. I think it was Joseph Piper. He said that in you know, not verbatim, but education and leisure are, are one. I think the origin of the word school, you know, there, there was creativity and fun in that original meaning of the word, and there isn't anymore. It's and there wasn't. It was just kind of like, oh yeah, we, you, you know, you, you're allowed to be here now, so you better do really well, and we're gonna examine you in the exact same way before you know you had your classrooms taken away from you and you had your in-person time taken away from you and you can't complain what are you on about um and you're still going to be expected to adhere to the same standards as always people before you um and that is just quite hard to come to grips with because you always have a certain sense of trust to those people who mentor you academically and those who teach you i always did um and that was sort of taken away. I didn't end up really respecting the people, the institutions all that much, which is bad. I don't want to feel like that, but it's true. Um,
1: yeah. That quote makes me think of the Robin Williams quote where he's explained politics. He said, poly from the Latin word for many and ticks, meaning blood sucking parasite. <laughs> um but, you know, when you're coming out of, you know, the education, whether it's there or America, one thing, you know, education up through college, it's a system, it's a conveyor belt. You're expected, okay, go through all these steps. You mentioned it earlier. Like, look, we did all the I heard this from my own child. You, I did everything right. I did all the steps they told me to do. They didn't hold up their end. Mm. Like it, that really is like a primal thing that changes that's also a dangerous thing because now you're you're not talking about a policy change. You're talking about people that have built-in resentment now and I don't think you're just going to be able to policy change that away
2: no it's it's creating a general consensus of revolutionary politics I suppose rather than reactionary and that about what can we conserve that was good for us for our children than us just feeling like we need to tip this over and just start again because it's just useless um and whilst I do kind of think that in the UK especially our way of examining people and this was before COVID to be fair uh, our, our examination systems i think was flawed um hugely um but these people even when they did everything right as you say they followed their steps and some of them poor people weren't even allowed to take the exams that they were promised to show what people what they could do they just said oh no we, like people are too ill you can't show up to take your test which will actually define where you go to college where you go for the rest of your life what you can study um and that that's awful that is one Entire trench of influence of your life just taken away from you, and that is completely out of your control, and that's not fair. And especially, was the reason why I wanted to bring up the um essay bot, the sort of AI. Um, you know, it's that if this whole thing comes in the context that literacy rates in the UK and the US are shocking at the moment, I think it's something like uh, in the UK, I think three quarters of white boys fail to meet the literary standards in the UK. And I think something in the US, it's like uh, around 54% of adults fall below sixth grade literacy rates, which is A, costly to the economy and B, what are we doing to our children? Why are we not worrying about this and instead letting them watch porn the entire time um, and making them think that that's real? Why are we not encouraging them to write stories to play with Lego, to build things, to and why are we bothered about how they identify about their outward expression rather than their inward monologue with themselves and how they how they teach themselves how to make mistakes gracefully or however Jordan Peterson puts it? But it's to me so wrong. And now there's this whole thing where you don't even need to work to write your essays. It's this um new story I think that came out. It's this bot called Chat GPT. Um, and it can write pretty coherent, be mid-grade essays for you um, for free. You don't even need to pay for it. And I think the Daily Telegraph actually, they paid a teacher to mark an essay written by this bot. And they said, you know, it wasn't sophisticated, but it was very coherent. And uh, this tech is only gonna get more advanced. And uh, whilst I'm not against, you know, ed tech, it's a huge market in the UK as I'm sure it is in the US and how it helps, you know, people all across the world get a better education with more resources um this is why aren't people concerned about this alongside all these other trends and I think it has been lost it has been suffocated uh alongside all the other parts of the culture war but this is going to be our greatest casualty and we're not going to notice it for a long time but when we do we'll have no one but ourselves to blame
1: Yeah, Alice Watson-Brown joining us. It links to that literacy thing you just said, because we've got the data on the COVID stuff in the U.S. I don't know about the U.K. numbers. In the U.S., the thing that got hurt the most was math and reading. Some Mm -hmm. of these kids are two years behind on reading now, and we have further data. Uh, We covered it on the show a couple weeks ago. Early literacy programs are the one thing that, yeah, they're expensive. Yes, we sink a lot of money into them, but it's also one of the few things that we actually got data that it works really well. Early Mm -hmm. literacy, that's one of the things that carries through. The problem with this is in the U.S. education system is we've lost literacy, not because we don't teach reading, but the entire of the education system is built towards standardized testing. We're teaching kids how to take a test instead of teaching kids how to learn and it kills their literacy. So the reason that literacy piece and that bot piece you're just talking about, where the look, the bot, that technology has a lot of good to it. People with mm-hmm. disabilities, people working in second and third languages, people um, trying to get, you know, you think of people that are nonverbal that could maybe yeah. use that and open their world up. That has a lot of good things. But when you start tempting something like that to people who have not been correctly educated and they know they've got to pass these ed- essays and these tests, that's a bad combination. And it's just rife for abuse. and And, it, and it's just going to further hurt the education system.
2: It's going to hurt the education system and the pupils who they claim to serve. Um, And what do we have to do with that? These people are going to hopefully be leading this country, but our countries, the world. um, And, you know, do you really want a kid who said, oh yeah, I didn't actually write any of my essays. When it comes to these, the, the learning how to write and the learning how to read, this should be a common currency across the world and we're losing that. That was the main thing, how we measured, you know, women's rights and women's education was how many people can read and how many people can write and how many people can do maths. Where is that? Where's that gone? But yeah, and, and going back to the sort of post-COVID um, factor about literacy rates being behind, there are pockets of students in the UK who just haven't returned to school. They don't, they're, they're missing. Um, I don't have the exact figures. I don't want to chuck one out of thin air, but it, it's it's concerning. Um, and that has cropped up in mainly kind of right-leaning uh, media outlets um, over the last few months. But I don't know if it's the same in the US. But this is worrying And these children are from vulnerable households from abusive parents um you know low income mainly uh in the uk it's mainly concentrated in the northern regions um and some left-wing papers have blamed that on brexit which i find nonsensical i couldn't really see a coherent link between their arguments um but it's no coincidence that if you don't tell kids to come to school they won't do it made to just write essays like a machine and not actually getting any feedback
1: that's universal. Kids don't want to go to school unless you make them. Alice Watson Brown joining us. It's the same here. Look, the stats were bad. When you start talking about disparaging people, groups, minorities, uh, lower income, lower income, you go. The stats get worse. I mean, mm. it's just inarguably. Those are the people that got left behind because the people with means found way. you know, they could get tutors. They could link up. I, I know in my home state of West Virginia, they had to put Wi-Fi rigs and buses and run them up and down the hollers and park them at, a Walmart, and then everybody would go to the Walmart to the bus to get on Wi-Fi because there's not enough broadband. You know, you start talking about issues like that. We talk about education, especially in America. I don't know how it is in England. Basically, like if we just write enough money and we make the system big enough, it's going to fix itself. And we (laughs) know that's not the truth because of the things you're just saying. And I'm when I worked in the corporate world, it was starting to get like this. And now it's really getting like this. We have all these college-degreed people, but they're having trouble getting jobs because everybody's got a college degree now that are the same, and they don't have a real skill set that sets them apart anymore. And I I worry that what's just happened in the UK, you're going to start having that same problem there with the way the testing and the the way y'all do the test outs or whatever you call them. I forget the term. The way y'all do that now, when you do that COVID scrunch of putting everybody together you're going to have the same problem. All those people are in the same bucket fighting for a a lesser and lesser jobs that are out there. This is a real problem and it's a call to reevaluate how we're doing education, but we're not looking at it that way. We're just looking at it as a political problem.
2: I agree. And it shouldn't be politicized. And I think when you were saying, um, mentioning like skills, like hard skills, I also, I don't think that we're being taught hard skills in school. We're not being taught. I think what's valuable now is being taught how to set up a dropshipping business so you can make money alongside you know, uni or so you can fund your studies or you can fund a, you know, a three-week course in how to code Python. That's gonna make you instantly more employable. Um, how can I fund you know, my own shop on Shopify so I can at least learn how to sell? I can learn how to talk to people and I can learn how to sell and I can learn how to negotiate. Um, and I can learn how to walk back with more money in my pocket. Those are the kind of things that I think some people are encouraging um, you know, that like self-reliance and entrepreneurship. I think that's really important. But the fact that it's our only option now, really, to make ourselves feel fulfilled is sad. Um yeah, I think there are now a lot of courses online that are teaching you how to, you know, how you can become a dropshipping master or a forex trader in two weeks and things like that. There are more and more scams online, of course. You know, these sort of get rich quick at home. Um, but a lot of people are doing that. A lot of my friends you know are are nomads now Um, and they're enjoying it don't get me wrong but these are people who from the schools they went to and the grades they got you would expect would be flying high without any effort.
1: Yeah. Alice Watson Brown joining us. That's something I wonder about, too, is you just mentioned it. Normally, you know, the folks that go to the better schools and do the certain career paths, they're expected to go into high finance, big business, Mm -hmm. politics, civil service, whatever. Is there going to be a brain drain in the UK from this? Because I think in the covid area in America, with the way the government's going and some of those things, I think we're seeing a bit of a brain drain in government and politics because a lot of the quote-unquote good people don't want to fool with the mess and that's always kind of been a joke but I think we got some data to back it up now is that a fear in the UK with all the chaos and now like you just said they're having these nomad things they may go find something that they really like to do that is not that traditional career path that's going to be a brain drain on not only government and civil service over there but the country as a whole
2: I agree I think um i think you sort of touched on the phrase it's like the best people don't go into politics i don't know who said that but it's something that's you know i I say to a lot of people um there was there is no viable alternative really there's no viable political future for the uk uh even when you know boris johnson was going out of office we were like oh let's just come along but there was no kind of one person we were like you know "We're, we're it's it's three nil down and we've got two minutes to go we're gonna get him in or her in. there was no one person who we would he he was the forerunner of this um and a lot of people say to me like oh you why why not why don't you go into politics like obviously you'd love to go and i was like i i'm 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 you know i'm just as bad as a lot of other people who just say i don't want to touch that i don't want to do it because a you don't i don't know how much change you would make and b i can't be bothered for the optics the the hate that's going to come just for trying um that the sort of the echo chamber that you have to engage with now of social media if you want to put your name out there and that I guess that comes with the job. But I don't know, it's um, I hope it's not right. But when you were talking about the civil service in the UK, interestingly, um, because we've now realised that we are, have such a bloated bureaucracy, uh, we're just creating jobs and throwing money at it. Like you said about the US education system hoping they would solve things. Um, People have now caught on that that isn't the way and they're slashing positions in the civil service at the moment. Um, But that's not the way with other state institutions like the NHS. Interestingly, a lot of my friends who have landed graduate jobs are in the health service management schemes, not in the civil service, not in GCHQ um, or any other kind of like traditional sort of high-flying occupation.
1: Alice Watson-Brown joining us. It's a little different in the UK than here, but there there's a common theme I'm hearing, and I see it in your look. I watch PMQs just about every Wednesday. I'm I'm pretty up on the UK politics, but I see a common theme there that's here. There just seems to be a lot of frustration without any outlet for it, and I don't want to get you know doomsaying about it. But the U.K. has got some real issues, and we've got some real issues here. We've got a couple of years, the next two years, and then this, this next election cycle in the U.S. This is going to be very contentious because we've got a divided Congress. We've got a presidential election coming. This is going to be some ugly stuff for a while. The U.K. looks like they're – usually you have these pretty stable premierships where you get three, four, five, six-year runs. That's not going to happen. It doesn't look like Sunak's going to get too far in the next year without having to have some kind of election. That'll be four in about 18 months, give or take. Let's just ballpark it that's not normal instability for the UK. How does that land with the people though? they've got? I know at the end of the Brexit, it was just, OK, it's over. We almost don't even care which way. Just make mm-hmm. it go away. Right. Is it getting to be that way with Parliament and the premiership right now? Because it seems like it feels like from the outside, folks are just kind of sick of this rut that the Parliament and the prime minister and the revolving door are in right now.
2: I think so. It is. It, it's, it's a it's a rut of epic proportions, um, I would say. Uh, I think The trail of leadership since Boris Johnson, so you had Liz Truss, who tried to be radical, but the one rule about being radical is that you have to be reassuring in order to succeed. And she wasn't reassuring. Uh, It was a bulldozing, blundering, you know, trying to be Margaret Thatcher kind of performance caricature, which failed, obviously. And then you have Rishi Sunak. He's quieter, more reassuring, but fluffy, no personality, sort of disliked by a lot of the conservative grassroots because of his role in covid and lockdown um in essence the conservative party now has fallen into the trap of its labor counterpart and that it doesn't know what it stands for i spoke about the labor problem i think in the last podcast but um i think that their main identity crisis now is over taxation are you a party of high taxation or low tax it's not a it's not a difficult question to answer, and because they created the mess in which they had to raise taxes, they are now at an utter loss at which string to grasp to pull themselves forwards. It, it it's fascinating to watch, albeit depressing. Um, it's fascinating, and uh, there's now sort of on the edge, or oh, is there's the tension of is Nigel Farage going to return to politics? Is he going to make this grand re-entry? you know leave the gb news studio and come in and save everyone um a lot of tory MPs are scared they'll lose their seats if he does um but i i have no faith in that really ensuing anything different either it'll just be new crisis different day
1: yeah i'm i don't know that gasoline on the fire is what's called for here i don't know that's a british (laughs) saying or not but it certainly is where i am that will be one hot mess but unfortunately here's the problem and, and again, we're not even talking specific politics here. We're just talking big picture here. People get sick of it. People have bandwidth. People can only take so much even with parties they agree with and ideologies they agree with. That's when you really have trouble, though, is when people start tuning out and they just start going, just make it stop and go away. That's when the really bad, ugly stuff happens, and that's why we need to be vigilant both in the UK with whatever happens in your next election and us with what's going to be happening here. That's when you really got to be vigilant because when people are going, no, 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 just make it stop, that's when the untoward actors start really working their stuff and be like, oh, I'll make it all better. Listen to me. This is the time we got to really hold on to our principles and pay attention to what's going on even more so as hard as it is.
2: I agree. That's the time when accountability goes out the window and populism becomes your best friend. Uh, it's, as you say, pouring fuel on the fire. Um, I have no idea what really will ensue in the next general election in the UK. Uh, I imagine the Conservatives will lose their majority. Um, Whether that means they are not going to be the largest party is a different question. Uh, I have a feeling they will remain the largest party because Labour have not yet made a stand that has made them attractive to conservative voters who can cross enemy lines, in my opinion. Um, But I don't know, the problem is also is that I think in the, I was reading US news today as well, that as well, the politicians seem to be fighting between themselves more than their, more than the public. And that seems to me wrong. Uh, it, it should be the other way around. Um, I think it wasn't it so the Republicans are taking back the House and now they want to launch an inquiry on Joe Biden and COVID uh, about Hunter Biden's laptop. And you think, obviously, these are, you know, these could be pretty big wedge issues. But It seems to me that rather than as soon as the other side gets in rather than building and carving their own future for that you know for their beliefs they're just trying to make it look like the guy before them did a worse job than they're gonna do what kind of a system is that it's it's not appealing it's not attractive and it's discouraging any you know attractive talent from joining you um and it's you know it's not durable
1: No, and they better, Alice Watson-Brown join us, they better do some, I've been writing about this, and even really hardcore folks on the right that really understand it are like, no, you better do some governing, because remember, our Congress, you're up every two years, we could have this really absurd thing where we flip the Senate and the Congress both right Mm. back again in two years, be interesting to watch, Alice Watson-Brown, I love talking these bigger picture cultural stuff, because it's important, because You know, this is the stuff that, you know, like we're talking about the the generational cohorts. This is stuff in 10 years people are going to be like, oh, how did this get this way? And we can go back and go like, look, we were already talking about it. So it's good to talk to you about these things. Uh, We always enjoy having you back on the program. We will have you back on the program in 2023. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. That's another American (laughs) saying. We don't know. Y'all need to adopt that one, too. Probably. (laughs) Um, uh, Let folks know where they can follow you and keep up with you um you can even pitch your spotify account if you want to i know you're all into the fashion stuff let folks know where they can keep up with you till we get you back on her tell again
2: yeah so my twitter handle is just at alice watson brown uh no a-l-y-s watson brown uh i will be posting more there occasionally now i have been radio silent probably because i'm losing faith which is bad so we're gonna keep our principles and we're gonna keep investing (laughs) but thank you so much for having me on it's been such a pleasure and i really hope to see you soon
1: I do too. That's why we do Twitter Supper Club, to put the food on there. Let's yeah. get our faith and humanity back in there. <laughs> Alice Watson-Brown, you're great, my friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you for the time.
2: Thank you, and you too, and Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you.
3: Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcast at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus.